It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Thursday, October 20th, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high quality content that is kind of sad. The streak is over, but guess it had to happen sometime. It was inevitable. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with prospect expert Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. That is going to come in handy later in the show. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. That's where you'll keep up with our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email the show at LockedOnFlyers at gmail.com. On today's show, we are going to recap the Flyers' first loss of the season last night to the Florida Panthers, 4-3. to Plus, we are going to do our first prospect profile of the season with Adam Fantil. Locked on Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Plus, we're over on YouTube if you want to see our smiling faces as we talk about the Flyers over there. Uh, We did pick up somebody off waivers, uh, Lucas Sedlak. We are going to talk about that and the reasoning behind it after we talk about the game, because I think we're all fired up to get into that one first. And Man, I, I did not have high hopes for this game with it being on the second half of the back-to-back. The win against Tampa just seemed too good to be true. Then I started getting hope when I heard that Aaron Ekblad was on LTIR, and I was mm-hmm. like, uh, And Montours, that's two of yeah. their best defensemen, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, well, maybe the Flyers could take advantage of that, but... Man, I mean, the score definitely not reflective of this game. This was a rough one, Russ. It was a rough one. Uh, you know, my my issue with this with this game is uh, Torts gave Rocky Thompson like a pat on the back because they have four power play goals, but the amount of two on ones that the power play is giving up should not get a pat on the back, and. You know, right now I look at the team and I'm like, they're still in extended preseason because of what happened with the way Torts ran preseason. Because the power play, uh, even though it may score once in a while, because it does have some talent, it's a mess. There's no structure. It's a mess. Provorov did a better job of shooting at the point than D'Angelo because D'Angelo's trying mm-hmm. to get too fancy. Torts recognized that. Uh, there's a lot of things little things that are going wrong on that. And it's, you know, and it's mainly, there's only a couple of young players left on this roster, like young in the fact that, you know, what you would call a rookie. So these are veterans doing it mainly. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the odd man rushes going the other way on the power play and the flyers allowed seven scoring chances, five of them high danger while they were on the power play, which is uh, not great if if you're trying to score on the man advantage. I think, you know, your point about Tony D'Angelo is a good one. Uh, He's still playing really tentatively at the point, I think. And 
it seems like they're suffering from something that they have done in the past on the Flyers, which is staying too far to the outside. They're Mm -hmm. not squeezing the other team defensively. And they're also at the same time, not moving the puck fast enough to create the lanes. So they're just kind of passing around the way outside edges of the defensive zone. And D'Angelo can't find the shot because they're not moving fast enough to create the lane. And they need to practice when they're like six on four too. That was embarrassing. They they had two shots on goal until connecting Mm -hmm. ended up scoring a goal with like two seconds to go. But you know, the six on four, they didn't do anything. It it was Mm -hmm. awful. Yeah. And again, that is not moving the puck fast enough, not having set plays that they've practiced that they can do in their sleep so that they can create those lanes. They absolutely should have had more shots on that six on four. And so while I think they did have a lot of the resiliency they've had so far this season in terms of tenacity and effort, the structure and the execution just wasn't there for most of the game. And and I'll tell you something that, you know, uh, Kevin Allen, who I hold in high regard, said on another show about torts, and that basically was, Guys in the first 10 games are going to try and over-torts it. They're going to do everything they can defensively. They're going to try and do everything they can to get playing time, which is something I brought up, I think, eh, two, three shows ago. He echoed mm-hmm. that, and he said after 10 games, it's it starts to slide back if you don't have that talent. And I think that's what we're going to see. I think you know they're going to be pesky and resilient, but you can't fall behind to nothing every game you can't do certain there's certain things you can't do here that it doesn't matter who your coach is you're not going to overcome and so this is you know these are big things that need to be fixed and right now you know the three and row one record is really not reflective of things that are going wrong I think so as well. And, you know, I want to have as much fun as possible with this team. And I think the yeah, team sure. is is creating some really good moments mm-hmm. for us. Uh, it's just very clear that there are some big things still wrong there. And so it's like trying to balance that out. This is what we talked about, you know, right before the season started. It's like, let's try and have a glass half full approach to this season. And so... I think that there were those moments. I I do think that Konechny shot was beautiful at the Mm -hmm. end and the way that Bobrovsky just got schooled in terms of being out of place on that. I I, I do want to give guys credit when they do good stuff like that. Um, I think the other thing for me is that, again, when we did our preview of this back-to-back, we talked about trying to slow down these faster teams and force yeah. them into an east-west game as opposed to a north-south game. Flyers did absolutely none of that versus Florida. Florida was just, it was a track race the whole time. Yeah, and whatever, like I said, whatever toughness the Flyers have meant nothing against Florida. It, it really didn't because they have the same toughness and they have guys who are more skilled with that same toughness. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, I just feel like they need to sort of, um, and this is torts too, he is going to have to conform somewhat to what the talent is on the ice. Uh, Mike Yo definitely suffered from some of that, and Torts will fight it longer because he's more stubborn. But again, it could be a long season if you're playing, you know, these guys tremendous minutes, expecting this unbelievable effort every single minute of every single game. 
because you know, like Anson Carter said, you you can't do it for eighty two games, and and no. these are th- and and then we you know, and I recognize that. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what's happening here. And I think that it's really difficult because, again, you know, the score is four to three. Uh, JVR, you know, does something really good that he's mm-hmm. supposed to do. I mean, that's why they have him on this team is to yeah. get goals like that. And so you want to give them as much credit as possible. But I think that it's just it's not sustainable. And I think there's a lot going on there. Um, one thing I, I do. Sandstrom deserved better because he really played a great game. And, you know, he was hung out to dry in the third period, basically. Yeah, he was. I think he wants that fourth goal back. I think but that it went was off the... D'Angelo's stick. And when it went off his stick, it was on edge. Like that, that puck was wobbling all over the place. But maybe he wants it back. But still, that was another, like, sort of like, oh, I'll stick in my stick there by D'Angelo. And he, he deflects it on, you know, in the net. It's like he would have been better off if he, if he just let Mahora just actually shoot it, push him to the yeah. outside, but let him shoot it, because Sandstrom yeah. was stopping everything. Yeah, and I think that um, I don't remember who it was who said it on the broadcast. It might have been Biz, but I don't know um, off the top of my head. But in terms of you know, the goaltending that the Flyers are getting right now, that is something that is also probably unsustainable. It was Tockett. Oh, yeah, it, was, talk- it was Tockett. Okay. Yeah. yeah it just he, wasn't. He said you can't keep up like a 945 yeah. save percentage all year. And he's right. When you're depending on goaltending to cover for the the mistakes that you're making and you don't fix those mistakes, the goaltending solution is going to run out eventually. Yeah. it's, And I get what why the broadcast was confused because even I'm a little confused that they're not trying to play more defensive hockey. They're actually overactivating the blue liners. I mean, look, Nick Sealer gets a goal, nice goal, Nick, but there were so many other things he did wrong in this game that, you know, it's hard to say that that goal meant anything after that, but yeah, I, I, I think that there's a lot of guys that had really good moments, but also really, weak moments and we are going to talk about those coming up next but first we're going to hear about our friends at bet online betonline.net's your number one source for all your football betting needs this season find all of the latest player developments team matchups news and podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you could find as always bet online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information include including live betting, esports, and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the MLB playoffs, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. The NHL season is in full swing, and so is Locked On's game-to-game NHL. You get every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On game-to-game covers every game from across the NHL with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. So follow game-to-game on the Locked On NHL channel. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, we were just talking about Nick Sealer, and I think that was a question that I came out of this game with, is did Nick Sealer have a good game? 
I think in the end, no. Yeah, I, I, I think that's where it comes out for me as well. You know, maybe the first half of his game was good. You know, he did get that mm-hmm. goal. He was blocking shots. I think he was really uh, battling on the boards and, you know, getting involved offensively like you were just talking about. But man, was he out of position a lot, especially yeah. in the second half of that game. Yeah, and and being out of position, that's a big part of the position. Like even when Anson Carter said, wow, look at Nick Sealer turning on the Jets with like no regard, you know, like just and 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 that's yes, no regard. That's the problem. And the hair on the back of my neck stood up because it's like he has to have regard because he has to know he's going to have a hard time getting back the other way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's the whole thing. It's like they've got for whatever reason early in this season, all the defensemen have the basically the green light to just, you know, to go when they feel like they need to go. But the problem is, as we saw highlighted with um, D'Angelo when Provorov had to get off the ice, that he and Braun weren't really sure what to do. Uh, you want to blame it on Braun? Fine. You want to blame it on D'Angelo? Fine. But at the end of the day, D'Angelo was so deep on that play, I think even if he saw the change, he couldn't have done anything about it. So, again... You know, right, and you got to have your head on a swivel when you're you playing do. E. And he really and for him to not see what was going on, that's his job. You know, these are big things that have to be worked on with D'Angelo. It doesn't seem like Torts has even worked with D'Angelo for a minute on his defense. Not not for a minute. Yeah, you have to wonder what's going on there in terms of practice and what they're working on defensively. Now, I will say, you know, there's a little bit of allowance defensively overall with the injury to to uh, Ristolainen sure. because the the pairs are different. Not that top pair. Not so. the top pair. That's that's right. set in stone, right? So I think that, you know, maybe they're focusing more of their energy on the bo- the two bottom pairs because they're different than they would have expected. But uh, ultimately, I think the structure has to be there for everybody. And I think that, um, yeah, they really do have to work on a lot of things with positioning and with responsibilities and with communication on the blue line. Yeah, to me, it's just, it's massive. It's like, it's one of these things where, um, yes, I understand D'Angelo is getting you points in the early going here, but some of the you know plays that he's giving up, when you start playing these better teams and he's on your top pair, those points are going to ring hollow. Uh, on the flip side of things, we talked a little bit about Travis Konechny in the first segment, but he mm-hmm. did have another really solid game. He did. I thought he was doing all the right things. I I felt like he was owed that goal at the end, to be honest. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he definitely, he worked hard. He, you know, in the early going here, he has really, you know, um, redone his game. He may not want to admit it himself, but he redid his game. And and Mm -hmm. we like what he did. Now, uh, on the broadcast, I made bristle with um, when they asked Jonesy if he thinks he could be a 30-goal scorer. That, that's been the whole thing this whole time with Konechny. Can he score 30? And I, I'm still not – he hasn't convinced me he could do that yet. But he's more on his way to scoring 30 than not scoring 30, and that's a positive. I also think that, again, not 100% there yet, but I think Kevin Hayes played a little better. Yeah, he played one. a little better. I, I give yeah. you that. Where this team is just getting destroyed – 
he's on faceoffs. Now, I, you know, they said an interesting thing on the broadcast, and this is why I kind of like TNT better than ESPN because TNT will broach other subjects that, like, I think ESPN just doesn't even want to go there. And they were saying, they were debating sort of whether, you know, a faceoff is a singular stat or a team stat. And I think it's both. And it's both because, like they said, about the 50-50s and how your team reacts. And if you look at the faceoff percentages, they were brutal. And they, were, mm-hmm. they weren't good against Tampa either. And so, you know, this no, is something... No, we talked about that yesterday. Yeah. So this is something where, you know, this is also a trend. It'll get better with um, when Couturier's back and we know he's going to start skating Friday. So that's something. Um, but it's not going to cure the whole team right away. And Kevin Hayes is a part of that, and they're all a part of that. So, again, this is more teaching. So if Torts wants to put all this on the assistants, that's fine. But, you know, there's a lot of teaching things here that aren't going right. Yeah, as we watch Claude Giroux teach everybody else on the Ottawa Senators how to do face-offs and uh, succeeding there on that front, as he always does, uh, it it hurts a little bit, I got to say. But... Uh, I think another guy that stood out to me in terms of, again, just doing the little things right was Scott Lawton. I think, you know, he is my sort of fourth star of the game here in that I feel like, again, he's just doing the little things, doing the right things away from the puck. And, you know, while he didn't score in this one, I think he's playing consistently so far. Yeah, and the only thing that I worry about here is Scott Lawton will do anything for anybody. He will go through the wall. He will do anything the coach wants to win. And so, you know, this is something that, you know, Torts has plugged into. And as a result, he's getting this unbelievable effort and result out of Lawton. But now Lawton's blocking way more shots. He's getting more, a little more banged up every game. I worry about that a little bit because even they brought it up on the broadcast. Why is he blocking that shot? Like, why does he feel like he has to block that shot? That shot he didn't have to block. And it's true. There is a point, And I understand Wayne Gretzky talks about this too. You know, when you're one of the better players on the team, yes, you are expected to play some defense. And yes, if it's late in the game, block a shot, but you don't want to potentially get hurt in the middle or early of a game because you're blocking a shot. So there is a time to do it and a time not to do it. All right, uh, moving on to our new player, Lucas Sedlak, who was picked up off of waivers from the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche had been trying to do some shuffling on their fourth line and uh, as a result put Sedlak on waivers to try and send him down to Colorado. Flyer said, oh, we'll take him. Uh, I think... Of course, my first thought was, what is the John Tortorella connection here? And sure enough, uh, he was drafted by Columbus and played for the Blue Jackets while Torts was the coach there. So a little predictable. Very predictable. Uh, Again, which young player is is this guy going to take playing time away from? That's what I worry about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's the whole thing. I think after 20 games into the season, with the exception of just running guys up and down for a few games here and a few games there, I kind of want to assess, you know, which of the younger players are really getting a chance here because that's what I think Sedlak, and he does play center, so you do have to worry about that aspect too. 
if he is going to take over that fourth line center spot now. Tortorella expressed some concern about the play of Tanner Lazinski, you know, who has been a fourth line center, but also played on the wing a little bit as well. And that just basically hinting in the same way with Hayden Hodgson and the same way with Ali Lixel, like now we're, we're getting the pattern here. Yeah. He has no patience for him. And, and honestly, yeah. I thought Lisinski was pretty good in the third period. Yeah. I thought he did some good things. I did notice him. Um, so I just think now this is ringing a little hollow with me with Torts saying this because it's just an easy way to send these guys down. Yeah. I just, I, I don't believe what he's saying with this stuff because I have noticed these guys and they also have not gotten a ton of minutes in a lot of cases, especially with Hodgson and Lixel. I talked about two is a coincidence. Three is a pattern on yesterday's show. Now we've got our pattern Yeah, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all because we've been talking about this season being really important in terms of data collection and knowing what exactly we have with these young guys. So we know who to keep around, who to try and trade and all of that stuff. And I think that this is not the right approach to get that done. And I, I will say a lot of good things about John Tortorella and what he's doing so far. And mm-hmm. this is one, the thing about him that bothers me the most. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lusinski in four games has two points. He's not a minus. He has no penalty minutes. Like what's he doing wrong? Couldn't tell you, Russ. I could not tell like, you. Like that's way more production. If you, if you cost that out, through you know through a season that's more production than Patrick Brown gave last year I I don't know man I mean this is nothing against Sedlak you know he could turn out to be useful as a fourth liner but he can't do anything besides that but I I just like I, I just don't see the point honestly I just don't no I don't either and and so this is one of those situations where you know we're gonna mash our teeth a little bit on it because it's like again I get it like right now towards is sort of following the game plan that Mike Babcock did um, first year with the Leafs. The only difference is they said, this is going to be painful. And, you know, towards isn't saying that Fletcher is saying the opposite, that they're going to be fun to watch and everything else. That's fine, but they're still doing similar things. These veteran coaches uh, who play similar styles. And right now towards is doing the same thing. He's bringing as many of his guys in, that he's comfortable with, so it's one less thing he feels like he needs to worry about. Well, uh, we are going to talk about the future coming up next with our very first uh, 2023 draft prospect profile of Adam Fantilli. Russ, I'm excited to talk about Adam Fantilli for many reasons. One, I love that we're going to do an early look at him in this season because we'll Mm -hmm. be able to go back later and revisit uh, this guy because he is definitely a top five pick in the draft. No question. He could go probably two, Mm -hmm. um, maybe three. I think four is probably the lowest he'll go if he kind of stays on the track that he is. Uh, He only just turned 18. so. Which is crazy. I know. It's absolute madness uh, because he's already underway in his first year at Michigan uh, where he's got a goal and seven assists in four games so far. And, uh, you know, before that, he was with the Chicago Steel in the USHL. Uh, Last year, 74 points in 54 games, which was split pretty evenly, I think, between goals and assists. 
uh, but also a lot of penalty minutes uh, with 93. So yeah, he's a big, strong kid. Um, he's always played up in age. That's, you know, I saw him, you know, for the last two years in the USHL and was super impressed. And he's just used to doing this. Like when I interviewed him, he was talking to me from, from Yost Arena. And he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm going to be playing here next week. He wasn't even phased. Like he wasn't even like, there was no pressure in his voice. Like, Oh, I'm worried about what might happen here. No, he's a super prepared kid up uh, mentally and on the ice. So the mental part is what really impressed me. Maybe as much since, you know, Crosby and like a McKinnon in the sense that, and, and even those guys didn't speak this way. And he was basically like, listen, I look how goals are scored. I'm looking in the NHL and I'm looking on websites and I'm looking where they're scored from, how they're scored from. And I'm, I'm trying to do the same thing and I'm trying to be just as successful. And, you know, that's, that's a lot, you know, for a guy to be doing that over the summer, like that's his, you know, his extra work, his little hobby um, to get himself better. Like that's, that's impressive. So Again, he worked out tremendously offensively, too, uh, on and off the ice. He's got a wrist shot that he feels could get better, and that's already really good. His playmaking's really good. You know, he could play center or wing. He should be a center um, in the NHL. He looks like a center to me. Uh, he's used to playing with good teams and good players, and none of that phases him. He knew he was going to play against older, stronger players, and He's just like, yeah, I'm ready for it. Like, I'm up to the challenge. Uh, the good thing for him is that he's uh, rooming with his brother. He has an older brother there. And so that's right. good. Uh, that could help him feel grounded. But beyond that, there's nothing that I worry about with this kid. And he knows it's his draft year and he's going to nail it. Yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, you look at some of his stats, like how he's starting out at Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, you look at his stats from U18s on mm -hmm. Team Canada, where he had a goal and five assists in four games. And uh, so it seems like from some of his stats that he's more of a playmaker than a shooter. Do you think that's kind of where he'll go in the NHL? I think that's true, but I do think his shot's developing. I think that's why... He knows he's a playmaker, but he also knows that um, he could do better with, with his shooting. And I think that's where he's aiming for. As an example, with those U18s, you know, he played with Connor Bedard, the guy who's going to go ahead of him in the draft, and he was playmaking for him. And so, I mean, and, and, you know. Lucky and that, kid. Yeah, I mean, but, but again, you have to be pretty damn good to be able to play make with Bedard because he's doing things that really not a lot of players can do. And if you weren't syncing with him on a line, they'd put somebody else, you know? So, you know, you think about it at, at his age doing all of that. And it's not like he's a flash in the pan because he's been doing it for years. He's been doing this for like three or four years. This is exact same way. And he can play with some aggression and he will play. Um, he will be physical, so that's why he's not worried about um, the college path. But he, you know, he said something very smart to me. He he felt like the college path was right for him because otherwise, what would happen is he'd be in the uh, OHL for like four years, and because he figured, listen, there's very little chance of me making it in the NHL at the age of 18. So that's unrealistic. So instead, he went to the USHL for a couple of years, and he's going to go and he'll play at least the one year. In college, I suspect because he's on the young end of things, he'll play two. Uh, 
and then you know and then he'll probably go out and again he gets to work out three days a week and and he's a tire you know he works very hard and he does work on still getting stronger even though he's pretty strong already just imagine when this guy comes out what he's going to be like you know jonathan tapes went to college what was he like when he came out you know it really does work sometimes for players yeah, I, I think that's a really good path for him. And, you know, he's not small, like you said. I oh. mean, he's 6'2", but he's also, like, a, a lot of kids that young would still be, you know, like 165 pounds or something. But he's got, yeah. like, an additional 20 pounds on him already. And so he just has to figure out how to shape that and have it work to his advantage. Yeah, and he's not just knocking pucks in because he's big either. Like he acknowledged he's bigger than a lot of guys when he was playing for, you know, first starting out maybe in the USHL, but even the USHL has some older players too. And so as that went on, he, you know, he kind of moved up. And so it didn't, it didn't matter. Like he was still going to be up for that challenge. And right now as a true freshman in, in a very hard um, division in college hockey, he's succeeding. Yeah, I, I love watching him play. Looking forward to it all season long. And we are going to check in on him again as we get closer to the Frozen Four, as I'm sure he'll be part of that tournament because uh, Michigan's looking pretty good this year. But uh, yeah, so the March toward next year's draft begins. And uh, we'll keep bringing you more prospects and uh, and see where the Flyers end up after the rest of this season goes and and who we might be able to take a shot at but uh wrapping things up with our flyers fun thing uh there was an absolute deluge of timed posts from hockey teams about their reverse retro jerseys yesterday flyers were no different so we got a teaser of that which should be revealed at some point today although i think we know it's like a reverse of the black jerseys mm -hmm. so it'll be white with the black on the sleeves um, with the orange piping so look for that but so what day of the um, week are they going to wear that or is it just going to be reverse retro games i think teams have a little flexibility in terms of I when they so can too. assign it so i'm not sure exactly so, but they so, may announce it when the jersey reveal happens right so the flyers only wear black on saturday so it's not going to be on saturday so they'll have to figure out which other day or days they're going to do it yep all right, that will do it for today's show. We will be back again tomorrow. We are going to preview the weekend matchups against the Preds and Sharks. And as a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at LockdownFlyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone bring you the fantasy edge and keep you ahead of the competition with daily updates of news analysis and advice Monday through Friday. It's available on YouTube, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.